Hey. Hello. My name is Stefan. And this is Heidi. And you're listening to Ice Cream Parlor, the, the podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the podcast where we watch scary movies, then discuss them. Surely for the reason of wanting to watch movies over and over again. Yep. Your weird, freakish pleasure for horror movies. I mean, it's romantic in a sense. Yeah, I dig it. <laughs> um, so how was this week for you after launching episode one? Um, it was good. Um, yeah, everything's been cool. I've, the feedback has been nice. And uh, I can't complain. This week went by pretty smoothly. How's yours? Pretty good. I've gotten some great feedback. We've uh, gotten some help with the sound. And um, I don't know, it's, exci- it's exciting to see that there are other people as into this genre as I am. And specifically, a lot of girls that are into the genre. Um, usually, like, if I go anywhere uh, that's old school horror related... It's, it's, it's just me. <laughs> like, um, do you remember that I went to the Boris Korloff and Bell Lugosi thing? Yeah. Uh, there was absolutely no line to go to the women's restroom uh, during intermission. And there was a huge line in the, for the men's room. And I was like, whoa, Twilight Zone. <laughs> so, uh, so it, it is really great to be able to see so many women also kind of just digging it. Cool. I did get some really great feedback that made me feel really nice. And it was this uh, woman who was who is like 20 years old, 21 years old. And she's like, oh, I didn't think I'd be into it because the movies are so old. But now I really want to watch it when I get home. And I'm like, yes, we caught one more. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So what movie are we watching this week? The Changeling. Right. Changeling. It's from 1980. And it's directed by Peter Medak. Did I say his name? I don't know. Never heard of him. M-E-D-A-K. Peter Medak. 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 And it's written by Russell Hunter. That's important for later on. William Gray and Diana Maddox. Or Maddox. Whatever. Um, And it stars George Scott as John Russell and Trish Van Devere. Van Devere. (laughs) Van Devere (laughs) as Claire Norman. It's supposed to be one of the best haunted house movies ever. And from what I remember, it, it's up there. Yeah. It uh, wasn't. Uh, what about Amityville Horror? So that movie came out in 1979 and this one came out in 1980. However, this movie was filmed in 1978. So technically it was first. Oh, OK. But it's um, it, it, it is like super haunted housey. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't remember hearing about this movie growing up at all. I remember seeing the logo uh, on like, um, you know, the the box box covers. Yeah, at the video store. So I kind of remember the font. I remember, you know, the name, the changeling. It's kind of a wheelchair. I don't know. I don't even remember a wheelchair. I don't um, have that, you know, visual as a memory. But I do remember the name. But I don't remember like hearing about it or seeing a you know like i don't know parts of it on tv or somebody talking about it but i do remember amityville horror and um then obviously they made the remake of it later on so you know and then again and then again and then again yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's I, i like the genre and i know last week i said 
I'm not that into, you know, ghost movies and hair. (laughs) (laughs) But I am, um, I do get into them. So just because they're not my favorite doesn't mean that I'm not going to be, you know, elbow deep in the sucker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm looking forward to watching it. And um, let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right. We will be right back. We'll be right back. So we're back. Yeah. How was that? It was great. It was great. Okay. So here's what the movie was about. Here's a synopsis. We didn't give you in the beginning because we were excited to go watch it again. Um, The movie is about this man. What is his name? John Russell. Yeah, John Russell. John Russell. He he loses his family and Uh decides to move from New York City to Seattle. Yep. And, um, you know, he's a composer, so he took a teaching position, whatever. And so he moves into this house that ultimately becomes haunted. And then, you know, his fun adventures during that time. Right. They're fun adventures. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of adventures. (laughs) So. um, So that's. No, I'm saying that's the breakdown of the movie, basically. That's what the movie is. Um, The movie actually starts with the loss of his family. And um, yes, it is. A horrific way to lose your family. Uh, it uh, the first when I saw the opening scene, at first I was like, "Oh, well, this is cheesy," but then it happens, and I'm like shook. Like my heart drops, and I'm uneasy for the rest of the movie. What's cheesy about it? The fact that they're having they're a having, snowball fight. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's no. not how my family did it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't grow up with snow. That's why. Well rock fight <laughs> <laughs> but uh all right well cheesy snowball fights but i, I mean it was cute but I, I i didn't expect what happened to happen and right you know it, it did leave me like i knew he was gonna lose his family but it did leave me kind of just uneasy for the rest of the opening part of the movie. anyway so um he goes and he so okay he moves from new york to um seattle to seattle um to kind of move forward yeah well he moves forward what like what was it four weeks into it like four weeks after i don't remember no four months four months after the death of his wife and daughter he decides to move to seattle and he moves on and he's like he misses them once i think when he cries but otherwise it's like wow but i mean we all grieve differently i guess yeah, he doesn't really seem to be too traumatized by it. Or if he is, he's holding it in real nicely. He's keeping his composure. He just kind of gets back to his daily grind. I'm going to go get move, but I'll go get a teaching position. I'll just go, you know. Very stoic 1970s man's man, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he ends up renting this huge, huge, enormous mansion of a house, this one person. Um, and he rents it out from like the historical preservation society. And I didn't know they did that. I didn't know that they were allowed to rent out these historical sites. Yeah. I don't know, but that's where he meets Claire. That's right. That's where he meets Claire. Yeah. So she shows him the house and it's like a gigantic 
property. It's huge. It's like a castle almost. I don't even know why he's taking a look at that because it's not like he's going to fill up all those rooms with guests or family or people or kids or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, he does. And okay, so fun fact about the house. It's like it's a regular size house in Canada in like Vancouver or something on some street. But they just put this fake like it's like veneer. (laughs) They put like a fake... um, front on the house and we see it because during a part when he like drives home one day there's this big huge house and a very tiny one car yeah. garage <laughs> yeah that explains why the garage was so tiny yeah a little, and it wasn't like it was connected to the house but he had to still get out close it and then walk to the front of the house like that doesn't even make any sense right right <laughs> but um so this house is Enormous. It's a ridiculous size house for a family of 20, let alone a family of one. Right. Um, But he's a composer. He plays uh, he plays piano apparently very well that his first day of class, his class of 23 was like standing room only. Um, So at one one of the beginning scenes. um, Did the piano come with the house? Yeah, the piano came with the house. Mm, Maybe that's why he took it. Who knows? I mean, I guess if he's a composer, he does need some space yeah. and, and doesn't want to disrupt his neighbors. Well, he also inherited Mr. Tuttle, who maintains the property. And, you know, he's like the groundskeeper, I guess. And I think there was a lady, too, right? Yeah, that, she was like the, the housekeeper. The, yeah, yeah. Um, so but what was interesting is the piano did come with the house. Mm-hmm. And the first sign we see of something iffy is he gets up from the piano to go talk to Mr. Tuttle at some point and there's one key on the piano just dung, yep. and that's when we're like oh shit yep. ghost story yeah. <laughs> yep. they show the scene where he's in class and that's what I mentioned it's like standing room only even though he was only supposed to have 23 right, and yeah. he's playing this song and the song he's playing transitions into a song that he's now listening to as an audience member for this grand orchestra that he that he's yeah, he went so to go listen like to in town. Yeah, yeah, to just some concert. And um that's where we see Claire again with her mother. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're introduced to the is it the senator? Uh yeah, he's senator like a senator Carmichael, Carmichael or something yeah. like that. And Senator Carmichael is um He's what's called a philanderer. <laughs> He's a philanthropist that also helps the the historical society. Who technically he also owns the house where John Russell is living. Right. That's important. Yes, that does play a big part later on. Yeah. So a Senator Carmichael, um, and then it's funny because when when he is looking like looking down to when Senator Carmichael is making uh, a speech. I noticed that um, this face that John Russell made, and it reminded me of what you said. It was, he's not very attractive for a leading man. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of not so uh, <laughs> easy on the eyes or whatever. Yeah, he's not a handsome fellow, really. But, um, but I guess you said, you know, that 1970s man's man kind of thing. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, they, they probably could have cast a better looking guy. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. He was very stoic throughout. I, he um, actually, Roger Ebert uh, once wrote of this film, and I quote, if it only took craftsmanship to make a haunted house movie, The Changeling would be a great one. 
It has all the technical requirements beginning with the haunted house itself. The film does have some interesting ideas, but it doesn't have a sneaky sense of awful things about to happen. Scott makes the hero so rational, normal, and self-possessed that we never feel he's in real danger. We go through the movie with too much confidence. Mm -hmm. And um, when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely it. The only time he actually freaks out is during the opening scene. Yeah, and even that, he didn't really freak out. He did, but he kind of like, I don't know, I thought his reaction was not as like... I don't know. Again, like he wasn't like crying or, or, or ex- I don't know, ecstatic or just he didn't really he just kind of watched it happen, you know, and I guess maybe it was like a deer in the headlights kind of situation where he didn't know what to do. Um, but then also the first night, I think, after that concert, when he does sleep in the house, you hear this loud banging, which I kept thinking it might have been the piano, like all the keys banging and slamming and mm-hmm. slamming. Later on in the movie, you find out that that's not what it was. But it's this loud banging that you keep hearing and it wakes him up, I think. And he does six a.m. Yeah. And he doesn't seem like too like he's not running around freaked out, like what's going on or whatever. He's just Mr. Like, Tuttle said it was air in the pipes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense. Um, And then there's also like he's playing the piano and then the door suddenly opens on his own and he looks back like, Mm -hmm. wait, who's that? What's going on? Yeah. Um, So it kind of leads him to feeling a little bit weird about things. And he goes and he meets with Claire, the woman who rented him the house. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, asking her questions about it. And at some point, this other woman uh, who also works there. She's uh, just the, the, the like a housekeeper. Minnie or something. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Who also right, works Minnie. at the at the historical society. Right, right. And she, you know, she goes and talks to John Russell and says uh, a very interesting uh, line that the house was hasn't been lived in. And I quote is it doesn't want people yes the house doesn't want people in it that's what i wrote down in my notes too pretty much (laughs) um which which is which is fascinating because um it's it's not exactly the case as we learn later on but it's um it's a very good way to keep people out of it yeah yeah so um at one point john russell goes and i keep calling him john russell because (laughs) but i don't know it feels good so i'm gonna do it i wrote down that um he actually a few times sounds like the unsolved mysteries guy. His voice, he's got that. Oh yeah, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember his lines, but he has that voice that kind of sounds like <laughs> unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Something like that. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I was actually watching that last night while I was working on the website. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I know you've been watching that lately. Yeah, it's not the first episode or first time I've caught you watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, at one point he goes, um, he finds that missing. No, wait, how does it go? Well, at I one mean, point he finds a hidden door. Yeah, that's where it all starts. A, like inside of a, a Be- closet that was boarded up. Because he was trying to leave the house and something came. A window smashing. broke. Yeah, a window something broke and something came flying out the window. Flying out of the window. And so he went searching for where that came from. And it was um, 
in this hall closet, there was this false like wall. Mm -hmm. It was just a boarded up door that once you removed everything, there was like this lock and key, like just like padlock almost. And he had to bang it out with a hammer. Which at the same time, you hear that loud banging noise again. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, banging on the lock, trying to break it. Yeah. And he gets up there and he sees that it's a bedroom for this little boy. Mm-hmm. And his wheelchair is there and all his stuff is there and, yeah. and his, his journals, his, his whatever, I, everything's I in there. I think it's kind of like small too, like everything, like the wheelchair is like a, not, it's like a child size wheelchair. It's not mm-hmm. like a normal big size one or something like that. Right. And yeah. is, is that where he sees, um, the body? Mm, well, he at some point he sees a yeah that's in the bathtub when he's looking the bathtub. um well then maybe i have it wrong but at some point it leads him to call for a seance right and this is where some good stuff happens i think you i think i could be i don't know maybe i'm wrong but i think that he did find up like the bathroom up there and that's when he was Oh, that's when he went to go talk to Claire because he saw the bathtub. Yeah. Okay, he gotcha. Got really freaked out. And that's why she brought the lady over to do the seance. Okay. So they do the seance and um, they bring a medium, her interpreter, um, Claire is there, and John Russell. <laughs> um, he's stoic throughout the whole process. But, uh, you know, she's writing, you know, so the medium is like channeling the energy or whatever. And um, you kind of get this POV of um, something coming from that empty room and going out down the stairs and around the hallway and whatever. Get until it's finally there uh, where the seance is happening. And um, there's a lot of things that she's asking. Like, she's like, mm-hmm. what's your name? And she's scribbling something. And the whole time this recorder is going, but she's yeah, writing the names and, and the interpreter is reading off what everything is. And, and it's asking for Joe, uh, for, uh, John Russell's help. Um, why do you feel no peace? All those kind of things. And, um, it, it it's kind of freaky. Like anything seancey. Yeah. Kind she of she asks out. like, what's his name? It tell, she asks if he wants to talk to John Russell and, and, uh, she, yeah, sure. She, she's freaking out. Like sort of like as she's scribbling all these, you know, I guess translating onto the paper or whatever. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty frantic looking seeing it, but at, at some point a glass shatters. Yeah. There's like a cup or a wine glass or something gets thrown across the room and it shatters and breaks. Right. And then um, it cuts to a scene where John, Mr. Russell, John Russell, <laughs> I just like saying his name, John Russell. Mm-hmm. It's like Kurt Russell, yeah. but not as handsome. Right. John Russell uh, is, is, in the room where they had the seance and he's just kind of in his head and um he starts playing the recording and he's playing it and skipping some parts and then he's like whoa wait what was that and he goes back and plays it and he mm-hmm. can hear the child whispering the answers to the questions the medium is asking right. and then just right before the, the interpreter is reading it off of the page off the paper, right. and it's just so like holy fuck and um so so one thing i was just remembering too that's kind of a little bit before all this was uh that i think it was that mini lady like she was very like not supporting 
uh, I don't know, them trying to research on this house, him and Claire, right? Wasn't she? Well, kind yeah, of like, but later on, she um, later on, she's the one who kind of alerts the other guy once we get there. Yeah, yeah. But that's what my point is. When she said that thing about the house doesn't want people in it, like that wasn't like a few other times she kind of gives this little like hint of like, oh, what is this guy snooping around? What is he doing? You know, like I remember mm-hmm. like just between that that time and the seance happening i kind of remember like that she was trying to like steer him in a different direction like not to be digging deeper into this situation or whatever anyways well just came up like with all like haunted or secrets or whatever there's always somebody who's helping keep the truth down um So um, he's listening to this recording and at some point he goes into a trance and he is there and sees the murder of this boy. And we know this boy's name is Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it's a fucking brutal way to fucking kill a kid. The poor kid is crippled and his his dad drowns him. Yeah. And it's oh, my God, it's fucking brutal. Well, right before that, I wrote down here that this the, the during the seance, the lady asked, are you the child that was killed by the coal cart or something like that? I wasn't even right. sure if so I read that right. The coal cart went well. So they thought that if it wasn't anything, there was a little there was a girl like on the property at some point that got run over by a coal cart. And so they thought it was that. Wait, what's a coal cart? Like a it's cart, a that cart full of coal. coal. Oh. <laughs> okay. I thought so. Very technical. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so but, but there was somebody else who did get killed by a coal. Yes. Car, the little girl. Yes. But um, when she asks, why do you feel no peace? In my whole idea about why ghosts happen if they do, he's not at peace. Well, he's not at peace because his dad... His dad fucking killed him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I wouldn't be at peace if my dad killed me. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, dad? I'm a fucking haunt you. <laughs> um, so, do we continue from there? Okay, so he he goes and he finds out it's, you know, how he died, whatever. He has all these clues. Then he calls Claire and Claire comes running because he she hears him pass out. Yeah, Pass out. he has like and kind so of like I, a panic attack of well, some sort. I don't know if it was a panic attack now. Think about it because, so you know how I do healing work, right? After I do healing work, I'm fucking drained yeah. and and I pass out. Um, So maybe that's just it. Like he's just so tired of all this other stuff. Um, So uh, then Claire also, Claire also hears the same messages. And so now, now they're like in detective mode. They're trying to find out where this where this kid is uh who killed him why and this whole story um they put all the clues together and they find out that this property used to be so expansive that it had like this land across town like just went throughout and um there was a house built on that land where the well used to be and in in the recording um joseph tells john that he's in a well or something like that. Right. So they track it down. They go. The lady who lives in that house. Yeah. She has a kid who freaks the fuck out. Yeah. She was, uh, she was saying that like, what it was like a day or so before the day of the seance. Right. The day of the seance. Um, she had, her daughter had a, 
was, scare. Right. She was seeing something or trying, a, a little boy trying to come out through the floorboards. Right. Right yeah. above where the well was. Right. So she let them <laughs> dig up the well, the well in the bedroom. They just take a chainsaw to the floor and just start. Start a digging. Cutting that thing up. Yep. Uh, which actually, and, and when I thought about it, it was, it was pretty deep. And like they were just dumping all this dirt like in the middle of this poor lady's house, like just digging and digging and digging. It was just like they just destroyed the room. And I don't know, it's a lot of dirt, too. You know what I mean? It well, was- <laughs> I'd rather them take the dead body out from underneath my floorboards. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, but the thing is that it wasn't happening over there. Like he wasn't. Right. He was in a whole nother house. It was like, that's the lady's house where he was. Right. But the, so in, during the seance, the medium told John that the reason Joseph is reaching out through him is because, um, of his loss of his wife and child and that love, it's what's opening that connection between the both of them. So do you think that. Like, they never really told you if there was anybody in the house before John. No, they don't. And what I'm wondering is, um, like, if they had any other history of, like, other people having a haunting or, like, if he tried, Joseph, if he tried contacting anybody else in the house. I mean, Claire, she's showing it like she's the property manager, but I mean, like, I don't know. Does she know? Did she know previously was haunted? No, she didn't, right? No. But she um, she did say that it hadn't been lived in in quite a while. Mm-hmm. And Minnie did repeat that it right. doesn't want people. Like, I feel like Minnie knew there was something up in a way where she, you know what I mean? Like, well, let's tell them about the, the, about the senator. The senator owns that right. house. Senator, the senator Carmichael. Carmichael. Senator Carmichael is, um, should we just go into it? Uh, he is. Well. The, First of all, they found before we get out of the the well part, like he found the, the bones, body, yeah, the, the, the bones. yeah, and it would they would have been fifty year old bones, and there was the locket or whatever it was, the gold, the, the medallion, necklace, yeah. yeah, which magically, like, yeah, moved it, as it like, like grew out of the it, uh, the dirt. It was like a time lapse video where you're watching um, a flower grow from the dirt, <laughs> um, but yeah. So he knows that it was definitely Joseph Carmichael who was killed. He knows definitely because that's his medallion with his name engraved on it. Right. And the vision told him that he still had it. And when and that he was very he was uh, thrown into the well with it on. So it all lined up. However, Senator Carmichael, his name is. Joseph Carmichael. And he is the same age that uh, this boy would have been. So Mm -hmm. they were the same age. Come to find out. Yeah. That's what. um, So Joseph's dad, I guess, I don't know. I'm going to call him Mr. Carmichael. (laughs) Mr. Carmichael. (laughs) Senior. Senior. um, Killed his son because. His wife died at birth and all of the inheritance went to Joseph, not to the not 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 to his dad, not to senior, hmm. because um, I guess the family didn't really love him so or care about him that much. But Joseph was sickly and he was he was he was, mm-hmm. you know, fragile. So from what um, 
John Russell, you know, just put together was he didn't want to take his chance on this kid who was probably going to die because um, he is only able to live the life he has because he's able to use his son's money. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he kills him, go gets another kid out of the orphanage, switches them, moves with the kid out of the country and comes back when he's 18 years old. It's like absolutely insane, crazy. But I guess, you know, when you're... It's the 70s. Yeah, old rich white folks, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I, you said it and not me. <laughs> it's, yeah, anyway, so with, while all that's also happening, so he also tries to confront, um, after he found the little medallion thing, he tried to confront Senator Carmichael at like an airport or whatever, something that you could never do nowadays. He <laughs> just runs up on on him on like a private airfield, screaming his name um, and waving around the little gold chain thing. And he, he's telling him, like, I, I live in your house and I know, you know, I found the so necklace what does, or whatever. What does the senator do? He, he just, sends him a cop, sends a cop to intimidate him. Yep, pretty much. Um, who then dies? Who dies? So yeah, almost literally instantly after le- uh, leaving the property. Like he talks to him, tries to. In- mm-hmm. He's like intimidating him in a way because he wants to get the locket. He kind of is just like telling him, hey, man, just give this up and all your problems will go away. And um, John Russell is not he's not moved at all. He's just like, nope, I don't even know what you're talking about. No, there's no no locket. I never found nothing, whatever. Yeah, he was totally just the fuck out of here, bro. But he looks into the mirror and the mirror shatters, shatters and yeah. he sees the face of the of the guy that just left the cop. Mm-hmm. And then um, next, you know, he's dead. Yeah. So the house really wants to make the house. The Joseph really wants the truth to be just finally out in the open so he can be at rest or at peace. Um, so. You know, all these events like it sets off this chain of events. It's like we um, we skipped over one part. Also, I just remember now that it was like um, I can't remember if it was before the sands or not. But, you know, there was that little ball that he found in the kid's room and then the ball rolled down the stairs and he he kind of I think it happened one time and he ignored it. And then later on, when it did come down the stairs again, he said, I'm going to take this ball out to a bridge and throw it away and get rid of it. And. He ends up back at the house, and what happens? The ball's rolling down the stairs again. Well, yeah, so there's a lot of, like, haunted stuff happening. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's pretty cool. Like, the... Um, oh, did I spoil it? Sorry. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I don't there's know, a lot just... of... There's a lot of scary, like, haunted house stuff, and, and the scares are really good. Yeah. And the best thing is the actors reactions to the scares are genius like you feel it and then that's what i kind of like love about the older movies is they put a lot of just of themselves into feeling what you're supposed to feel yourself off the screen and it was just it was brilliant i absolutely love the scares like even though we told his reaction sorry to cut you off are Um, you really yeah i'm sorry to cut you off (laughs) I'm just saying that even though, you know, but his reactions, he wasn't really phased. Like he took all of that, like nothing, you know, it was. Well, there are some parts where I did was I I did feel like that was just machismo. 
you know? Machismo. Yeah, but yeah. how do you say in a white man version? I don't know. Toxic masculinity. For, yeah, that's whatever. <laughs> but it was the, you know, it was like the red foreman of the time. Like, I have no feelings. I have no emotions. That's <laughs> why when he does he like, cry for his family, he's in bed by himself and nobody can see him because he's in, you know. He's in bed. I love the part where he confronts the house. All the doors are slamming and all this noise is going on. He's like, what the hell do you want from me? Or something like that. You goddamn son of a bitch. Yeah, you goddamn son of a bitch. I've done everything. And then he's just screaming at the house. And then he takes a nap. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, what, what was I? Oh, so the, the, the scares are really good. Even though we've told you like all the good parts about the movie, which, you know, whatever, but the scares are still there. And the scares are so good. And and when you're watching it, there's so much just to watch. Like, I watched it, what, a third time right now? And I found things that I hadn't noticed in the first time, in, in the first few times. And it's just, it's just so good. I absolutely love it. Yeah, three times. Wow. I thought we just watched it once together right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it, it was really good. So um, I liked it. I would recommend people checking it out again. This is like for me, I'm being introduced to some of these movies for the first time. As I mean, some of them you may not have seen at all and some maybe you haven't seen in a, in a long time. Uh, this one, like I said, um, I, I remember the name. And I remember seeing the, the box cover and now I'm happy that I actually watched the movie. Well, good. So. I think it's I, also one side, like, I'm just thinking again, like, it didn't get, like, a recognition at the time, maybe because Amityville was, like, maybe, I don't know, more um, advertised or promoted in a way, but this one just seems like it doesn't get recognized for being, like, I don't know, as good of a movie as it is. Your thoughts? Well, so the reason I, I this was even on my radar was because this is listed as one of the best haunted house movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I had the movie, you know, like, cause I, I have the movie, like the actual movie. So it's not like I just had to go and watch it on a streaming service or something. Mm-hmm. It's because it's supposed to be one of the best. Um, but I gotta tell you them, had I known my European folklore, like the movie would have been spoiled for me. What's uh, because the what's changeling? The what the changeling is? It's um. Let's see. It is described as being the offspring of a fairy, troll, elf, or legendary creature that has been secretly left in place of a human child. So it's referred to as the swapped child. So had I known that, I would have probably guessed uh, the rest of it. Right. So that's yeah. what the so changeling what the, is. Right. So it was this little switcheroo there. <laughs> the old switcheroo. Unlike my uh, crippled, you know, useless son here, let me just uh, kill him, get rid of the evidence, and then I'll raise me a uh, senator. A sturdy one. <laughs> one without rickets. Uh, typical American politics, right? <laughs> You're glad I said it. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> um, so here's another thing. It's based on a true, it's, it's based on a haunted house, like a real haunted house. Oh, really? Is it yeah. in Seattle? Uh, no, it's in Colorado. It's in Denver, Colorado. Oh, it, The Shining House. No. <laughs> 
It is called the Henry Treat Rogers Mansion. And the story is that it was built on an old cemetery. Oh, well, and, that explains a lot. Uh, so what they did was they decided that the land was available to be sold to, you know, to be sold, right? So they gave people 90 days to remove their, their family from there, from their buried loved ones. And, you know, whoever remained, remained. And so they remained in the house. Was that like something they researched at the library or whatever? Or <laughs> I mean, where did you get that fact from? Hold on. Uh, Let me tell you my story. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Have you permission to continue? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, remember I mentioned the writer was important. The writer was Hunter Russell. And he stayed at a ho- that house. He stayed in that mansion. So the story is loosely based on his experiences, right? So Hunter Hunter Russell, yes, he's super, super, super. So as a writer, he's as a writer, main character is going to be John Russell. (laughs) So um, his haunting started with sounds. Sound familiar? (laughs) Just like John Russell. he discovered a secret staircase. He found a trunk with the journal. The journal at some point stated that his favorite toy was a red ball. Uh-huh. A few nights later, the ball bounced down the stairs. So this is the the actual. This is a quote, actual story, story from part yeah. Of it. Gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so he finds out during a séance that a child died after becoming sick. His parents worried about the inheritance, so they buried the child, found a doppelganger. A changeling. Um, and so this is the story that was touted throughout, right? Until they realized that there was absolutely no evidence and that um, the haunting um, does not exactly match up with historical facts. However... Hunter Russell maintains that the haunting followed him throughout, which yeah. is kind of like, what's that movie? What was that movie with Ethan Hawke recently? What was it called? Um, recently? Sinister? Oh, I don't know. I didn't well, see recently, that. like <laughs> last uh, 10 years. <laughs> I didn't see it. Um, about that either. The house was demolished, but when it was demolished, when it was um You're talking about down, the Ethan Hawke movie? No, this movie. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. No, yeah. In this, uh, in in this real, real haunted house one, um, somebody died when they were knocking the hell the house. Oh shit! Yeah. So there was an actual death there. <laughs> one other thing that I had in my notes that we didn't talk about was the music box because the music box played um, a tune that he said he composed, and it was like note for note or whatever the melodies everything matched up and he was like how the heck did this music box? he was like i swear i'd never heard of this before i just wrote this music yet it was in the music box so there was well, the music box there. the music box was in um in joseph's bedroom and yeah. that and he didn't have much to do he was in a wheelchair and he was in the small did you see how small that bedroom was mm-hmm. um so he had the music box and he had some books and he had a ball you know so uh, that would be why he has a connection because ever since he got there, Joseph was trying to reach out to John. Yeah, but the music box might have been made even before because, you know, it's just a music box. It means that when Joseph was a kid, 
somebody had already composed. Had already that. composed. Yeah, it was just a piece of something that you know somebody bought. So the music itself, John was saying, was his original music, which is weird because you know, like, well, that is no. So that song that he was composing was one that he started composing at that house. At the house, right, right, right. Okay, that makes sense now. So yeah, yeah, it's sort of like it was feeding the yeah. thought into him. Well, um, so the movie was. Uh, I absolutely love it. it. It's it's it hits it checks all my boxes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, that music box comes back up at the very end too, which is why I brought it up here, just because, uh, you know, it's significant and have, you see it's the last thing you see right before the credits roll. Yeah, yeah. It's I had a music box like that before, not gold like Joseph's, but it was nice. Um, it, it was shaped like a piano and you turned it and then the keys would flip over those little bumpy things. Yep. I don't know what happened to it. Yep. But it was nice. Uh, it, it, we have something similar now. It plays Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have, did, did you have any hauntings? Um, n- no, well, not really. I mean, as a kid, like... And I was afraid to go downstairs in my basement in my house because I did think Freddy Krueger lived down there. And we had like this old furnace down there. And I don't know, just something about that. I was really young then, but that that kind of scared me. So, But that wasn't like a real like a haunting thing. Um, and then like when I as as a child, I was able to go visit London a few times um, because I have family over there. And, you know, that's an even more... Uh, older historical place, a lot of, you know, history and a lot of people have Jack died. Yeah, Jack the Ripper and a lot of them. Speaking of that, some of my family lives right in the same um, where they did at the time, but the White Chapel is the name of the mm-hmm. road in the area. And um, so I was staying over there right where he, what you know, murdered all his uh, victims or whatever. Uh, but, you know, there were times I felt like I would hear weird things or noises or whatever. Um, I can tell you a true story that one time um, I wasn't there when this happened, but my family were they were they had this crappy wallpaper or whatever as, you know, we don't wallpaper houses anymore. So I think uh, it's not a common thing. But anyways, people were redoing their wallpaper and they took all the wallpaper down and underneath it. They found like some sort of. Oh, man, I I think it was like either. I'm trying to remember correctly, but it was like they found some sort of like bloody. um, I don't know. It was like something had gone down and it was all covered up with the new wallpaper or whatever. I can't remember. It was like blood stains or like, uh, I don't know, something I'd have to talk to them again to figure it out but it made me scared as a kid because they told me that they found all that stuff and then we were sleeping there at night you know visiting them and I was young and so like to me that was like the closest I had with like any kind of like hauntings but like nothing where I really saw stuff open and close or I mean I kind of (laughs) wish what about you well so when you told me about the furniture it reminded me more of like home alone when the, he goes, when Kevin McAllister goes downstairs and the, he, he goes into the basement and the furnace opens its mouth and goes, hello, <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. So that's what I just pictured you as. Uh, so congratulations. Um, I didn't have any hauntings, I don't think. Like we grew up in South Central. That was scary enough, I think. But uh, we did. But but um, so where we would 
when I would eat dinner in the kitchen, I would see, um, like if I look diagonal, I can look out of the kitchen into the hallway that led to my bedroom. And every night at dinner, I can see this shadowy figure with a big head walking into my bedroom mm. right before going to bed. That was fun. That's crazy. <laughs> and there was, um, there was at one point this orange light that would always shine on one of my um, bedroom walls. And I remember always having trying to find out which window, because there was two windows on opposite walls, trying to figure out which window was letting this orange light in. And I could never find it. I'd stand in front of the windows and see where it was. Like try to see where it was, um, come where it was coming from. Cause I thought maybe somebody was shining light. Maybe it was somebody's floodlights or something. And I could never figure it out. And in thinking about this, while we were watching the movie, I realized it probably was from, um, a search protector extension cord kind of thingy with yeah. the orange light oh yeah you know yeah. <laughs> with the switch that's on and on mm-hmm. uh, on and off um but it probably didn't help that it had rob zombie posters covering <laughs> one of my entire bedroom walls um my mom thought i was a satan so was it illuminating like his face or the images on the posters or no whatever? it was um i think on that wall i had a wayne static oh okay with the hair gotcha <laughs> I actually like just remembered about um, a story. Um, we're talking about hauntings and ghosts, and I don't really like. I'm not big on the belief system or so of, I don't know, ghosts and supernatural. I kind of get that there's certain stuff that maybe sometimes happens, but I don't know. Like usually, I guess the way when uh, most people like see. It's like, oh, well, they left something plugged in and all of a sudden it was turned on or, you know, it's like they're playing little spooky pranks or something got moved here or there. It's never like some entity really comes out and does some sort of like damaging thing, like bites somebody or scratches them or whatever. Anyways, I did. I brought that all up because there was a time where um, just I was I was kind of like house sitting for family member who was out of the country at the time and I was out and back and hanging out and I was kind of smoking or whatever and with a friend and we were making some music whatever and just taking a break and we did see like some weird creature come out of like the tree and I know that sounds strange but uh it was some sort of like I don't know it was dark the sun had already set but we could kind of see some sort of like a figurine in a tree which i thought was a monkey and like i'm sitting there with my buddy and i'm like hey man is that a monkey in the tree like what is that and like it was coming down and like it was like crawling out of the tree but it was way bigger than a monkey by the time like we saw it like coming from the top of the tree to the lower branches it looked way bigger than a monkey and we got like super freaked out so we all of a sudden like went inside the house closed the door and all of a sudden there was a big slap on like the the windowsill that was like you know in a kitchen where you have Mm -hmm. a little window it was like bam and i was we didn't know what it was but i mean we were like holy shit i guess uh we're not gonna go out there and it did it like freaked us out we we kind of like peeked out the window or whatever and we couldn't see anything after that like we didn't see anything but then our reaction immediately was like let's just fucking leave let's get out of here (laughs) so we we gathered our stuff we went out the front door and jumped in the car and left and the strangest thing about it was there was this like black cat on the roof of the house like as we were leaving i backed out of the driveway and we looked 
at the house and there's a cat like that. They didn't own a cat at the time. So it wasn't like a cat that was, I mean, it might've been a neighborhood cat hanging around, but it was on top of the roof of the house, like just perched there almost as if like the thing maybe, I don't know, morphed into a cat and was like, watching you know what that was? Uh, sure. Go ahead and tell me. You ready? Are you sure? <laughs> tell me what. Tell me what you think it was. All right. As long as you're sure. Go for it. Mushrooms. You think so? <laughs> I don't think I was doing them at that time. I think you were. <laughs> no. No. So we were smoking weed, but at that time, I don't think I had even tried mushrooms. But that was the craziest part of that situation. Was my buddy who I was with, who I'm really close to this day. Like we were. We weren't like out of our minds high at the time. Like we were just taking a break from a musical. I believe that shit happens. Like, seriously, I have so many stories my mother has told me from back in the old country, which is this country. But, you know, whatever. Um, There's there's just so many stories that you hear and not everybody could be making them up and not everybody's on drugs. My mom's the most my mom. I used to joke around that she's the white sheep in the family of black sheep, like super dry house i grew up in a dry house so it's uh she has no reason to lie to me about stuff and about that kind of stuff anyway and and her stories are pretty similar to what yours is yeah it was the one time i really feel like it was you know something really supernatural or weird that happened really kind of close to me it was a few other times maybe like when i was in my dad's country uh bangladesh um like there was, I was again younger, but like, I thought like this cow kind of like did some, like, I thought this cow got possessed and like kind of lunged at me, like in a weird way. Uh, over there, they, they're big into like possessions. That's what they believe in a lot. Like, oh. Right, this, don't you have to kill a snake or something if you see it? Yeah, over there sometimes if there's like a cobra or something and, and you, I think, it, you know, like if. If you leave it be and it doesn't bother you, then no big deal. But if you happen to come across it or it, it gets into like a confrontation with you at all um, and you don't kill it, then they believe that the cobra will come and hunt you down, I guess, and find you and he'll be in your house and he'll wait for you in the bathroom or under the bread. Um, so it's kind of like Ricky Tiki Tavi, if you've ever seen that. But I did in yeah. Lamb Chops play a lot. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, so, I mean, that's, I guess, I don't know if all villages and all people believe that still nowadays, but again, when I was there, that's what, um, my uncle, you know, told me. And I know like, I've seen it like the whole, like if they see a cobra and there was something and it, it was, you know, startled or somebody, you know, messed with it and it was, uh, aggressive or whatever, they will put a whole like search party out for this cobra trying to find it and kill it or whatever, just so that they know it's not going to be waiting for somebody in the morning. And then they believe like, even if you're like in a town or so over like it'll come find you. That's why they, they do it. But I don't know. It's all, well, who knows, right? Who knows? Well, fortunately I haven't had anything like that, that freaked me out too much. Um, but I do sage my house every, every dance I get. Um, but nothing, nothing like that. Like seriously, um, all of the scares I've had are man-made <laughs> are, um, people so I, I guess that's enough yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's more horror, you know, horrific things that actual people do in this world, unfortunately. And, you know, like the entities, like I said, if they are real, whatever, it seems like they're playing practical jokes half the time. Or maybe they're just trying to reach out like this movie, you know, like they're trying to get across to like tell you a message or, um, you know, uh, I don't know, interpret some sort of something in this case it was you know some closure and some truth behind you know yeah. some false uh, yeah um, well so you see my point from last week as to why i'd rather watch a slasher film than this i am going to sleep with the lights on tonight a thrasher um, film but it's because i i i know that like People do shitty shit to people and that's tangible. You can see person A doing this bad thing to person B. But when you have things like a monkey creature attacking you, that's something completely different. Um, and then that's why I um, I kind of stay away from these because at the end of the day, they freak me out the most. And they 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 are um, they are things that stick with me. But. You know, it's all fit. It's all pretend, right? This movie was all pretend. <laughs> they got a good paycheck out of it. And then I can, after this, I'm going to watch an episode of Animaniacs. And then I'm well, going to go you know, sleep. There's some people I've met that the whole reason why they don't like horror or they don't watch it is specifically because it's things like that. Like they believe so much in spirits and ghosts and entities that they're so freaked out about the thought of it that they won't even watch horror movies because they don't like to be scared or maybe those situations are too real for them or something. I love being scared. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm not always great at it. Like my friend Marisol, um, she and I go to um, Halloween horror nights at Universal. Yeah, we and have that. She always, we always. I said we have that meaning. In Orlando, where I came from, we had that. But uh, in L.A., I guess we still have that. <laughs> so, um, what did I say? You guys went to Horror Nights. You and so, yeah, we go to Horror Nights. And so today, or maybe yesterday, um, I walked over to her and she like was showing me something on there. And I'm like, hey, are we going to Horror Nights? Because there was like an ad or something. And she's like, you're always so scared. And it's true. Um, I get so fucking scared, but I absolutely love it. And the good thing about going with Marisol is she doesn't show that she gets scared. So, <laughs> so, you make so her go first. <laughs> I make her go first or I, 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 you know, you can kind of see people coming and you kind of shove Marisol in that direction. So they get her first, you know, true friend, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, you know, it being scared is great. It makes you feel, it makes you feel like this electricity in your body because we are able to kind of we, we feel all kinds of feelings all throughout the day but feeling scared and terrified that's not something you feel every day nor should you but so maybe this is where i'm weird and where we're different is that i don't get scared and i don't watch these things because i'm scared or um it shocks me in that type of way i actually do it for the exact opposite i like to see other people's reactions for some reason to me it's funny when people get shocked or scared in a movie and I, when everybody jumps at a jump scare, I sit there and chuckle inside. So I get my kicks out of watching horror movies when I see other people get really scared at. 
<laughs> and hence why you're my co-host. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, so what's next on the, uh, the list? Well, really quick, shout out to my brother who contributed to this podcast so we can do Mandy next episode. Oh, Mandy. Mandy. You just told me about that. So we're watching Mandy next week. Um, I saw the trailer. It seems weird enough to watch. Nicholas fucking cage yeah. need i say more peach and a tiger. i could eat a peach for hour <laughs> i'm sorry there was a tiger in it though go ahead you could eat a peach for hours con air was great <laughs> <laughs> um i love nicholas cage i think this will be great uh the movie looks creepy as shit it's uh, yeah, it looks awesome. It, yeah, I didn't expect it when we did watch the trailer. Um, the little, whatever you call the icon that you know mm-hmm. pops up on the screen, it didn't look like to me. It looked kind of retroy, kind of like I want to say like I don't know, it, like I, I right away I was thinking about Running Man from Schwarzenegger, which I don't think you've seen, so you don't know what I'm talking about. I but have. Um, oh, you have seen mm-hmm. that? Oh. I thought you said you didn't. Anyways, I'm matter. a closeted Schwarzenegger fan. Gotcha. If everybody is. Shh. So, anyways, um, I was just saying that the uh, the art, the cover art, did not give me the impression that it was going to be the kind of movie that it's being set up to be through the trailer. So, I'm interested in watching it. Yeah, me too. Cool. Good job, Raul. All right. All right. So, um. This is it for today. And um, thanks for coming back for more. Yeah. Thank you for everybody who's listening out there. And um, we'll, we'll see, see you, you next, next week. week. See ya. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>